Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Zodiac Lovers episode number four, man. I'm your host, the Urban Guru, and I'm rolling with my big head partner, <laughs> Peace family is Nikki Builder. What's going so on? On today's episode, we are dealing with my home territory, cancer. Um, and but before we get into today's show, uh, let us get a few um, announcements from our sponsors, the Inner Peace Lighthouse Radio Frequency. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. We um, man, Minister Jew is up this Sunday. All right, at 12 noon Eastern over at theimaginationguru.com where he's going to build on uh, a webinar called The Quantum Inauguration of Donald Trump this Sunday. All right, he's going to really show you the principles of quantum mechanics, quantum physics, which Trump employs with this alternative facts and other things of that nature. Um, and how that really got him into the presidency, all right? So this is going to be nothing short of phenomenal. Um, make that happen, man. You want to go to theimaginationguru.com, and you want to um, go to the shop tab, and you would see it right there on webinars, all right? Also, man, um, right here on Blog Talk, if you're listening, man, you can subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the channel. Shout out to Adrian, Mama Dada. Uh, Every Wednesday she's on and she's dropping astrological jewels and whatnot, so check her out on Wednesdays. And you'll get an alert. When you subscribe, every time a show is created, you'll get an alert. So definitely subscribe to the channel right here live on Blog Talk on the online portion. Um, Visit My Astrology Coach as well, man. Go to the membership tab. You're going to see two things. You're going to see the Toel Love Fund which is a fund that we put together where we pay people's bills, $13 a month. We've been doing this for six years, um, paying people's bills. So that's what that's about. We just cash it out at the end of the month and divide it evenly amongst four people, Uh, a real simple concept. So check out um, the Toel Love Fund. Also on the membership tab, you're going to see um, the Star Network membership. There's an explanation of – what you would see is it's pretty rigid, man. I ain't really playing no games as far as this calendar thing because I'm a, I'm a stickler for time, and I can't be really episode 10 where we can really talk about Saturn and Capricorn and time and success and government structures and whatnot, which is really the polar opposite of what we're about to get into today. Um, but anyway, man, um, you know, we got calendars over there where, you know, it's all about you making a commitment to to uh, really get to that goal that you say that you want so bad, you know what I mean? So just check it out, see if it's for you. Uh, I'm from the school of thought, man. My style is planets and create physical phenomenon down here. It ain't no theory. It's real talk. I can actually show you. And I might even just give you some homework today to to, to um, check out some of the things that we've done. And you do the you do the math, and you'll see how some things check out. 
Also on my astrology coach, man, there's a Valentine's Day special that I'm giving. The offer expires on Valentine's Day. Um, it's a new video that's up on that page. So if you go to consultations, just watch the video and, and, and check what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to show you um, two heavy-profile relationships where uh, Meek Mill and um, Nicki Minaj broke up and Tiny and T.I. going through that thing and she filed for divorce. I'm showing you some cosmic common denominators and phenomenon that, you know, that cannot be disputed, straight up, hardcore facts, Jack. And, um, you know, we got to get this thing called love that we say we so um, desperately want to have. We got to get this thing right. And uh, for those who like the uh, cosmic angle to understand energy, such as the invisible air that you breathe, right, um, then hey, check it out. All right. So the Valentine's Day special is up. Basically, you know, it's man, it's, it's for the low low, super low low. One person is basically free, but the goal is: Are you in a karmic relationship? And this could be with anybody, your, your children, your anybody, your mama. You know what I mean? If you just want to compare energy. It, you know, the, the energy don't lie. And so, is it a karmic relationship, or is it more of a soulmate productive union? And most importantly, even if it is karmic. Can your consciousness change what I call um, that square into a circle? Can you can you make it work based off your consciousness being the driver? And most certainly you can, all right? So check that out. Um, we in Vegas, March 18th as well, Prosperity. I uh, imagine Prosperity Workshop, man, $4 million on the record, man. We're going to show you plenty of testimonials, people who uh, participated in various programs that we have. Um, whether it's, it's the you know the quantum uh, imagination um, aspect of what we offer, or whether it's the gratitude aspect of what we offer, we're gonna those people will be there um, to share their stories, so you can see for yourself that the stuff that we're talking about ain't all spaced out and invisible like 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 it may appear. You know, we we give you the practical application on how to draw this energy down to earth and make. It applicable to yourself. Facts, all right? So the Imagine Prosperity Workshop, the goal is to give you the techniques and tools that we use uh, for you to see the stories for yourself, for you to walk out empowered so you can now utilize these tools and whatnot to improve any desired area of your life, along with uh, there be some pretty cool spiritual technology that's there that will be able to gauge your mental strength um, the pulse in your body, if it is um, what we call incoherent or is it coherent, simply meaning the pulse in your body from your heart to brain and brain to heart. This is a two-way relationship via something called the vagus nerve um, in your body. That signal could be chaotic called stress, right? and that signal can be coherent, which is more of a relaxed pace. So show you how to get into that zone by changing um, the rhythm and understanding your brainwave function. This ain't no theory. This is actual science. So be in the building, man. March 18th, we in Las Vegas, and you know we're going to win big. So you might as well just come on through and be a part of the winning team. Stop playing yourself like colleagues say. Don't play yourself, all right? And, uh, man, listen, man, I'm on iTunes. I'm on Amazon. You can go to Inner Peace Lighthouse. Type it in the iTunes joint, man. You see some stuff come up. Planets of Harmony, the Zodiac made easy right there on your device. Quick download, get that. 
And if you want to read the book, man, you can go to Amazon, Spiritual Wisdom for the 21st Century. In fact, I got some hard copies because the Amazon copies are not signed, but I do have a few hard copies physically on me. Get an autograph book, man, because your boy a legend. Real talk, I ain't pumping my own horn, but I'm telling you, when it comes to this spiritual thing, we done done some things, and we got the pictures, we got the proof, we got the emails. So make it happen, man. MyAstrologyCoach.com. Get the spiritual wisdom for the 21st century. And um, that's it for me, Nick. What you got? Um, As always, family, uh, y'all know I always say my day job is I'm a fashion designer for the woman who makes her own rules. So please go and check me out at www.NikkiDNovaCollection. That's N-I-K-I-D like divine. Nova, N-O-V-A, collection.bigcartel.com. I am so happy to also share with you all that this Monday, I believe that's February 13th, um, I will be launching my official Wear Nikki website. There you'll be able to go and find out more information about me, um, a, a fuller scope and breadth of what it is that I do, because um, even just outside of actually uh, designing and, and manufacturing women's clothing, I also do some styling. Um, I also consider myself a bit of an authority in the fashion field, and um, very, very soon you all will be able to check out uh, some of my writing in the San Francisco Chronicle, fifth largest newspaper in the country. Um, so yeah. those are some and I'm super-duper excited about. Um, as well, wanting to update you all on this balancing program. You all are going to see um, some flyers, some information about this balancing program that I'll be offering uh, before the next show um, uh, next Friday. So I'm um, basically just tying up some loose ends and finishing up and very excited about uh, sharing it with you all. And so the balancing program is, is basically just me looking at your, your your birth chart or your natal chart and looking to see what, if any, elements are missing in your chart. Um, as I've shared before, I don't have any earth whatsoever in my birth chart. And so the way that that shows up for me personally is it can be difficult. I can be full of ideas, right? That's what air represents, creativity, ideas. So I can be full of ideas, but it can be difficult for me lacking that earth element to actually nail those concepts and ideas down to the planet and actually see them manifest physically. Um, So I had to figure out, well, how do I get some earth into my life? How do I balance that out, right? And a lot of times we are, we're misconceived into thinking that, you know, these challenges that we are sent to the planet with, right, we've all got some challenges that ultimately we've been sent here to overcome. But a lot of times we're misconceived into thinking that, Oh well, you know, this is just my lot in life. These are the cards I've been dealt. You know, I just gotta, I just gotta deal with it. Well, not necessarily. The object of the game is to figure out how to win with the hand that you have. So, from an elemental uh, perspective, uh, that's what I'm going to be seeking to share with you all through the balancing program. So, look out for that uh, later on in the week, family. Yeah. That's what it is, man. So go ahead, kick off. So we we on your home turf, man. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Uh, where do I want to start? I honestly, I I always try to I try to challenge myself to kind of start with a story to set the tone um, for the show. So let me see if I can if I can start there this week. So the story I wanted to share, and and so we're dealing with cancer. Um, and let me just throw out some key words real quickly so y'all I can make sure we all on the same page. So key words for cancer: home, family, ancestors. Um, cancer also deals a lot of times or can uh, influence um, how it is that we perceive female authority figures in our lives, whether that's mom or somebody that's like mom. So cancer is dealing with this this internal sort of family system, this this, this feminine principle, right? So the story I wanted to share um, is is about my daughter, and I've said it before that that is my boo. I, my baby is that's my boo. I love her so much. Um, but I was thinking about an experience that I had in being able to observe her and being able to observe how it is that she's learning from me, right? And a lot of times in this conversation about you know being a parent versus how it is that we can relate to our children, a lot of times we think that our children are listening to what it is that we say, right? And I, I, I may have said it before, but that is a complete farce. Our children are not listening to anything we say, right? They're watching what it is that we do. So cancer deals very heavily with the tone, the programming that starts at home. So my partner, um, who is my daughter's father, um, he is a contractor for the military. He works overseas, and um, he comes home twice a year for vacation. So as you all can imagine, you know, that doesn't parlay into a whole lot of time that he gets to spend here in the home, you know, being nurtured by me and, and the baby. So um, he left he took a job overseas back in 2014, just just a few weeks, actually, before Dolly's first birthday. So he came home for his first vacation after he took that tour. It was almost a year later. So, you know, thankfully we live in the age of technology. You know, we got Skype and we got video messaging and all of this kind of fancy stuff where we can still keep in contact with each other even though he's such a great distance away. Um, and so he came home for vacation, and I just kind of sat back and observed how it was that he and my daughter were interacting with each other, right? And my daughter is a cancer like me. She's born late June. My birthday is um, early July. And so it's so funny for me to watch her because I see so much of myself in her, not just because I'm her mother, but also because she and I are the same sign. So we, we tend to process things very similarly, have a very similar sort of, demeanor about ourselves. I'm starting to see her now kind of shift into this, you know, I, I want to be at home. I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want to go see nobody. And cancer can very much be uh, reclusive. You know, we want to stay inside our shells. I don't want to go nowhere. You know, we'll decorate the shit out of that shell, <laughs> you know, like a hermit crab. And, and we're comfortable in that space, right? 
so in me sitting back and observing my daughter um, with her father when he came home for that first vacation, um, I noticed for sure some distance in between the two of them. And that made sense. You know, she hadn't seen him in a while. And I found myself relating to her in that space because I can remember being a kid and my parents separated when I was two years old. So, you know, my sister and I would go and visit our father maybe for the weekend or something like that. And I can remember thinking to myself, like, okay, I got to warm up to daddy. Like, I don't really know him like that, right? And this would happen every single time I would go and see my father, whether, you know, six months had passed since the last time I seen him or, you know, a few weeks had passed. I Every time I would go and see my father, I had to warm up. It was like meeting a new person all over again. And so cancer is very much this – is, this is a very – you know, personal sign, you know, cancer, you know, you don't let everybody into your house. And so that's very much the illustration of who and what cancer can be. So in watching my daughter, I was, you know, a little bit amused in that. And so in seeing kind of this this distance between the two of them, I kind of pondered to myself, I was like, well, is there anything that I can do to assist or facilitate in them, you know, making that bond. And here's what I noticed. At first, you know, she knew who he was, right? She's like, okay, I know who my daddy is instinctively, right? But she still felt like, you know, I can't really be my full self in front of him because he's still kind of a little bit of a stranger to me. And I noticed that she was looking to me for direction as far as how to respond and how to interact with him. So at first, she, you know, was a little afraid of him, you know, a little scared to get too close to him. But what I noticed was the moment she saw me hug him and be affectionate with him, she immediately opened up like, oh, okay, it's good. You know, let's go hug daddy. I want to, you know, I want to be in daddy's space now. But it was only until she saw me doing it first. And so I thought that story was a really good illustration of this this conversation about cancer. Cancer, again, dealing with home, family, ancestors. Um, and so I, I like to think of cancer sort of as I, I thought to myself, cancer is ultimately the launching pad. Home is where we get our first programming, right? What are we seeing in our homes? Are our homes heaven? You know, are they a haven? Are they a sanctuary? Is it a space where I feel safe? And the tone that is set in the home is ultimately the 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 DNA that we infuse into our children for how they're going to go about living their lives, right? So let's say, for example, home is not a haven. Home is not a sanctuary, right? Let's say we're talking about a home where, you know, it's, it's rocky. There's, a, there's violence in the home, right? Well, how is that going to impact a child growing up in that home? They're going to respond one of two ways. The child is either going to seek to run completely away from that, and they're going to seek a mate and a home situation or seek to build a home situation that is completely different from that, or they will perpetuate 
what it is that they, the, the foundation that was already laid in the home. It's, it's generally one of two directions. And sometimes, you know, we might fall in the middle and it might be somewhere in between. But for the most part, home is a launching pad. This is a place where we learn everything, right? This is also the place, depending on the relationship between mom and dad, was dad present in the home? And for a lot of us, that is the space that is going to influence the decisions that we make later on in adulthood. So cancer is a very, very important sign because it's, it's dealing with this incubator called home, right? So I just wanted to back up a little bit, um, and, and, you know, Gemini, we did two episodes on Gemini, and that's because it was Gemini can be really complicated, right? You know, it's this, it's the twins, right? We're we looking at two different faces on the same coin. So if we have a difficult time understanding paradox, then Gemini can be a, a difficult space to understand. And as I've said before, all of these signs, in different ways, they overlap each other. So in dealing with cancer today, we still got to deal a little bit with Gemini, as well as we might touch a little briefly on Leo, which is the next sign. And how, do, how does that correlate to cancer? Well, cancer deals with family. It deals with home. Um, Leo deals with children, love, uh our sense of fun and, and romance to a certain extent. So all of these signs sort of overlap each other. The thing that I wanted to speak to in regards to Gemini, um, y'all heard me say, you know, in the last two episodes and talking about Gemini, Gemini is the twin gates. Me personally, I like to think of Gemini as my eye. Why do I like to think of Gemini as my eye instead of Libra? Well, because Gemini is the first major paradox that we become confronted with. Those are, the, those are the gates, right? And the question is, are we going to survive through Gemini or are we going to thrive through Gemini? Because like I, like I talked about last week, Gemini deals with communication. And it's not just our words. It's also our actions. It's also our body language, right? And I don't think I, I really touched on that in Gemini, but I definitely want to speak on it here. Something that Noble touched on was this concept of our heart emissions, right? And I, and I want to kind of plug that into, into Gemini because, again, Gemini deals with communication. A lot of times we believe that communication is simply, you know, what – I profess out of my mouth the things that I tell to other individuals, right? But that can't be true. If that were true, how is it then that we attract relationships to ourselves that are totally contradictory with the things that we say we want to experience? Well, here's where the other piece of the equation comes in. Now we're talking about subtle communication, and that heart emission Oh, boo-boo, right? We, 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 we think that, you know, if I don't say this out loud, then nobody really knows that, you know, I, I have low self-esteem or that, you know, I struggle with uh, 
you know, negative self-talk in my head. If I don't say it out loud and I just act like I'm super-duper confident, you know, then nobody's going to know, and I'm going to attract a relationship to myself that agrees with that. How is it possible then that we still find ourselves in relationships that contradict what we profess out of our mouths? That gets back into this heart emission. Our hearts send out signals by themselves, right? So what it is that we receive, believe to be true at the heart space, not at the mind space that says, you know, oh, I'm so hot, oh, I'm so smart, oh, I don't take no shit, you know, at the heart space. And the heart also acts as a magnet, whether it's a magnet for the karmic energy that we need to resolve in our lives, whether it's a matter of attracting a mate to ourselves that is going to force us to become present with the contradictions in our lives that we allow ourselves to live in, right? So Gemini, it, it deals very heavily with this whole uh, home life cancer space because it also, so the twin gates, are also the double helix, right? What's the double helix? The double helix is your DNA structure. Now we're getting back into cancer because the DNA structure is talking about our ancestral realm, right? So we can talk about, you know, well, we, you got your natal chart. And as I've talked about before, your natal chart deals with the innate gifts that we're sent here with as well as it deals with the challenges that we've been sent here to overcome. One of my challenges that I've been sent here to overcome is in dealing with the lack of earth that that does not exist in my birth chart, right? So rather than sitting back and saying to myself, oh, well, you know, that's just my lot in life, I just got to deal with that, I'm just not going to ever be able to manifest anything or bring anything down onto the planet because I don't have any earth in my chart. The challenge for me becomes how can we solve the problem? Can we be creative enough to figure out a solution for this particular issue? Well, on the flip side of that, in dealing with the DNA structure, the double helix, right, our bloodlines are very similar in that way to our natal chart because the bloodline also deals with the gifts and challenges that we were sent here with but from a family perspective, right? So you got microcosm and you got macrocosm, microcosm being the individual and the natal chart. And let's not get that confused either because something that can also happen is that those things also show up in the natal chart. So while your natal chart does deal with you as an individual, the, the sort of overlying shell, the macrocosm over that is dealing with the bloodline because now we're talking about gifts and challenges at the family level, right? Well, what does that mean? How does that tie to the household? How does that tie to home, right? Well, now we're starting to deal with issues around, you know, some families deal with heavy drinking, right? There's alcohol abuse in the family. Some families, you know, there's heavy, I don't know, pedophilia in the family. So these are all things that the creator is seeking to work out. And the challenge is for us as families to figure out how we can solve these particular riddles. So again, natal chart, bloodline, 
both of these things are dealing with the gifts and challenges that we are sent here to deal with. We got to deal with it. The way that that relates to cancer is that cancer is dealing with family. Cancer is also de- it's dealing with family that is here physically, presently, right now, but it's also dealing with our ancestors, right? And so a lot of us, we have to, you know, when we get into our adulthood, you know, we, we'll sit back and examine our families. Uh, once we get into our early 20s, that, that for most of us tends to be our first opportunity to look at our parents as human beings, right? Because when you're a kid, you know, mommy and daddy, that's, that's God right there, you know? But then you get an opportunity to see them as human beings. You get to see them, you know, for the mistakes that they make. And then the question becomes, well, how do I personally overcome that? And is this going to be a quality that I take with me into my own household, or is this something that I kind of want to transmute within my family and I want to deal with that in a different way, okay? So cancer, we're talking about home, we're talking about female authority figures, we're talking about sanctuary, and we can also be talking about hell here. Something else that I wanted to bring up, I was I was looking at my, y'all know I got to bring in some some Kabbalah elements, right? So um, cancer is associated, uh, so each of the zodiac signs are also associated with a particular Hebrew letter. So the Hebrew letter that it is associated with uh, cancer is het, okay? The numerical value of that letter is the number eight. Now I'm going to bring in my, my five percenter spiel on y'all. And when I saw that, I thought it was really interesting because what does the number eight represent in uh, divine mathematics? Excuse me, supreme mathematics. The number eight is build or destroy. Build or destroy is absolutely a wonderful illustration of what we're dealing with here in the space of cancer because, like I said before, Home can either be a sanctuary or home can be a cesspool. As we talked about in another episode, the Kabbalists say that if there is no peace in your home, then God does not dwell there. Well, again, what's the implication? If God does not dwell in a particular place, if God does not visit a particular place, we must now be having a conversation about hell, right? So the option here is build or destroy. Do we choose to build on the legacies of our families, right? Or do we do we seek to destroy those legacies and build new ones? So today is going to be a real interesting conversation. What you got for us, Noble? Man, wow. Um, man, I'll start with... Um, you know, I was reading um, God Wears Lipstick, right? One of my um, favorite books. And um, and she had talked about in the very beginning, um, Karen Berg had talked about how um, she gave up her, the marriage that she was in, and she had this idea of, she really had this perfect life where he had provided everything that she wanted, the, the house, the fancy car, everything, right? And um, eventually, eventually, she, she that's when she, she met the Rob, and, and, and she 
met her her husband and her second husband and and she traded all that in for a small apartment in Brooklyn, <laughs> right? And she married this Orthodox Jew, and she's nowhere near Orthodox, right? I mean, she's like a Harley Davidson type thing. And I'm looking at this, and the reason I started there is the cancer deals with truly what we can really call the divine feminine energy. But what is that? What do it look like? It, well, it looks like your ability to be in tune with your emotions. But what is emotions? Emotions are nothing more than the thoughts that generate, or to be specific, the thoughts that create chemicals that get dumped into your bloodstream to make you feel some type of way. So we say, oh, you being emotional, you being emotional. Oftentimes, that gets a emotion is always equated with uh, a negative connotation to, and sometimes it's actually a scapegoat to cover up illogical thinking. Oh man, you know, I was just being emotional, as if which you, as if you really wasn't thinking and doing the things you were doing, and we kind of put it under a blanket of emotion, right? But the name of the game here um, in cancer is to be so in tune with your thoughts, especially the thoughts that produce feelings. So that's that's what we're going to say, being in tune with your feelings, that you can truly live your higher purpose, right? Because when you make the observation from here on earth, when we get into cancer season, that's the first day of summer, usually June 22nd, 21st, up in that area. And this is called the summer solstice. This is when the sun appears to be at its absolute highest peak in the sky. Fact. And see, this place is a weird, um, it's a weird place. Because if you look at the glyph of cancer, look like the sideways six nine, we see another duality, right? Facts. We see another duality when we look at the glyph of cancer. And so what's happening here as the sun appears to be at the highest position in the sky, I have to give the technical reason why it appears that way, is because your part of the earth, those of you in the northern hemisphere above the equator, are the earth is tilted backwards. So it's kind of like when you lean back, something in front of you actually can start to give the appearance as if it's up because you're leaning backwards as if you're falling back. Mm -hmm. So the more you lean forward, right, the more it looks like it could be down as if you're falling down, right? Mm -hmm. So cancer season is really when the earth reaches her maximum tilting point away from the sun, which in return gives the illusion, like I just said, that the sun is at its maximum peak. Now, this is interesting because after this day, um, the days technically, the first day of summer, the days technically become one to two minutes shorter each day. 
the sunrise rises one to two minutes, you know, on average, later every day. So this morning it would be 6.50. The next day it could be 6.48, then 6.46. So we're starting to lose light, although it is becoming hotter. You see, you see the paradox in that? See, awesome. see, this is the, see, see, this is the duality of this place and why it's very important to observe the phenomenon and be able to find God inside of the contradiction. Because, you know, it, it's weird. You know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. We're actually tilting, you know, and then it gives, you know, it gives, it gives all these illusions and it's the first day of summer, but the days are becoming shorter. It's just, it's a weird, beautiful phenomenon. Um, cancer, as we know, dealing with family, um, the ancestral gateway, why do we say, well, let me, before I get into the ancestral gateway, let's really deal with family because sometimes family can be some karmic MFers. And, and, and Bobby Hemmings said it once that family is the most pitiful, you know, putrid feces on the planet Earth. You know what I mean? Like family is the worst people on Earth. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a scientist by nature, right? And I just observed and I said, you know, family is people that, you know, you can't have sex with because they're family and your babies come out retarded, right? <laughs> this is true. So if, if we can't do that, not that anybody has the desire, unless you're in the backwoods of West Virginia, I always say, um, we don't have that desire, but I'm talking about an energetic principle, here is, is all I'm getting at. There's an energetic principle that says the most intimate part of you, you cannot mix with these people because it would create serious issues, okay? Rightfully so. So you wonder why it's hard to do family business or just even getting along with one another because that genetic strain of this area of space that deals with family. Um, on a wall clock model, we're talking about six o'clock, technically. See, these areas in the birth chart called houses represent areas of space in the sky, quote unquote, that appear to be around you. I don't even want to say above your head, just around you. But if we take it to a birth chart, this is the very bottom of the chart known as the IC. This is six o'clock position on the, on the natal chart, also known as the nadir, also known as the seat of the soul. Some say the point of incarnation, and some call it the house of endings, meaning you can see how you would die by understanding what's right here. Okay? So, if you understand the house structure in, in astrology is, is reversed, like 9 o'clock is really 1, 8 o'clock becomes 2, and 7 o'clock is 3. We're here at 6 o'clock, which is 4. So we're going counterclockwise starting at 9 o'clock is what we're doing in the process of this show, in this series. So if we're going counterclockwise, guess what? Six o'clock, or what is known as the fourth house in astrology, the house of cancer, this is the lowest point in the chart. This is the darkest region 
of the sky because technically if we if we superimpose the chart and say okay where's the direction at in our quote unquote real time then we're talking about the northern region of the sky you never see the sun in the north you can't it's an impossibility it doesn't happen. You see it in the east, you see it in the south at lunchtime, and you see it in the west when it's setting. But do you ever see it in the north? No, that's midnight. So you don't see it there, but you know it's there, but it's not there. Why is it not there? It's because, again, you live in this place that's casting an illusion that the earth is actually, at that point, your part of the earth has spun away from the sun. You just basically, your part of the earth turned your back on the sun. Okay, so a simple diagram would be just simply face the sun right now, and then I want you to start turning. And then when your back is facing the sun, then notice that your eyes is not facing the sun, and that's midnight in your reality of Earth time. Okay, so this is the darkest region of space, and I remember when I got the Zohar, Rob Berg, the wife, sorry, husband of Karen, said cancer is the most malefic zodiac sign in, in, in astrology. I said, Jesus Christ. But he was talking about, <laughs> yeah, he was talking about how the energy of the sun and what it's emitting at that particular time. I slightly disagree, but I understand, um, I understand the physics of what he's talking about. So why do we call this the ancestral gateway? <clears throat> Well, it's it's very interesting that in ancient times when you deal with that African culture, whether it be Egyptian and Dogon, they have this very vast knowledge of this bright star, which is really a sun. And Nikki so cleverly calls it our binary twin. It's our sun's sun. Um, but it's so far away, it, it looked like a star. They have this information on Sirius. Now, Sirius sits a little under the Cancer constellation. So if you can kind of imagine, hmm, let's just say a belt, if you put a belt around your waist. That, that belt around your waist and you got these 12 buckles on your waist, those are the 12 zodiac signs around your waist. But serious, let's just say Cancer, is whatever slot you want to give it, right under your belly button, Okay. Cancer is right up under your belly button, but under that, under your belt of cancer, is the constellation Canis Major, which holds the brightest star in the heavens called Sirius. So technically, when we say, well, when the sun gets into cancer, it appears to be in front of a star that is, instead of below, at this point, let's superimpose it. The star is very far away, light years and light years behind the sun. You see what I'm saying? So now it's a perfect alignment of energy. Now, I always say that the solar system is rotating. Where are we going? Because we're moving. So that means we're possibly going somewhere. And we're being pulled into the gravitational pull of Sirius. And this is important to understand, and if you grab a, a pencil and um, paper, a pen and paper real fast, and you draw a circle, at the 9 o'clock position, I want you to just put Earth right there. 
however you term that, is earth. Now, outside of that circle, a little to the left of the earth, all right, extended past 9 o'clock, just put another dot right there, and that's going to be serious. <laughs> now, in the middle of your circle, I want you to make it, don't not dead in the middle, but bring it to the left a little bit towards where you put the earth at. Put a dot right there. That's the sun. Because we don't live in a perfect circle, ladies and gentlemen. How can we when we have 365 days, but yet you're telling me a circle is 360 degrees, right? So that means we don't live in a perfect circle. Hmm. It's more of an oblong egg shape. And you wonder why the cosmic history of eggs, whether it be Ptah, whether it be the, the spider in some mythologies or cosmology, or why a woman even has an egg. And so this pool or lopsided solar system that we live in, because there's, there's a time called January the 3rd on average where the Earth is closest to the sun in this diagram that you just drew. And then on that same circle around July the 4th, Independence Day, this is when the Earth is now at the furthest point away from the sun. Facts. And when you're on the right side or the furthest side away from the sun, just look at the diagram. It's you on Earth, then it's the sun in the middle, that's kind of lopsided, and then it's Sirius. So around July 4th, when the, when the, when the sun the sun appears to be in front of Sirius. But you know what the dopest thing is about this whole duality, Nick? The okay. sun ain't moving in front of no zodiac signs. Mm-hmm. It's the mere fact that you on Earth is changing position every 30 days that's giving the illusion that the sun appears to be in front of that sign. I don't know if we can handle that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, like, for real, like, if, if, if you yourself just stop what you're doing and look at something that's in directly in front of you. Now, I want you to sidestep to the left a little bit. It's now on an angle. Sidestep to the left again. It's on another angle. So if you think the backdrop of what you're looking at is, let's just say, 12 o'clock, when you move, like, on a wall clock, if you're at 6 o'clock and the sun is in the middle, then what's, what's on the, what, what do it appear to be in front of? It appears to be in front of 12 o'clock. But if you move over to 7 o'clock, the sun now appears to be in front of what? 1 o'clock. Yes? yes? Right? Okay. So then the sun ain't the one that's moving. It's the earth that we know is moving around the sun. That's a fact. But since the sun appears to be in front of different signs based off our observation, that is creating the phenomenon. It's very weird. God is beautiful like this. So anyway, when we get to this cancer season, the brightest light, our sun sun, this is a time of, of, of a heavy spiritual influx of the light. So we always talk about God is the light of the world, as they say. When you go to the Quran, there's a surah, al-Nur, called the light. In, in, in Africa, they, you know, the Egyptians, they, 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 they worship in this sun deity. In Greek, it's Apollo. What's up with this sun thing that's going on? So when we understand these basic stations, 
we start to come into a divine wisdom or something, but I must warn you, and I must be very clear about this. See, if you look at the diagram that you just drew, or if you want me out, we say it again. See, Nick, opposition and conflict to a degree on an astrological level, it only exists in our reality because we can see things that oppose one another. Let me be clear. Tonight, let's say if it's a full moon, when the sun goes down, the moon comes up in the east. So they're in opposition. So now the moon is full. This is a fact. But if you step outside of that circle, Nick, and you go back to, like, let's just go all the way back to Pluto, guess what? If nothing is behind you in reference to the solar system, then nothing can be in opposition. So if you step outside of that wall clock, this keep you at the 9 o'clock position, but come out of that circle. Okay. Come out of that circle at 9 o'clock, right? The things that was in opposition when you was in the circle called 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock, when you step outside of the circle, they now appear to be what? In a straight line. Yes? Mm. Yes. Yes? 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 So we only have opposition based upon our viewpoint of being trapped inside of a circle. Mm. See, in truth, the Zodiac, as the Kabbalah teaches us, is this is the fragment of yourself that the knowledge of makes you whole. So it is to a degree, I'll put it like this. In astrology, astrology technically falls under the dominion of Aquarius, the 11th sign of the zodiac called a junior in your reality of high school. The completion, the 12th grade Pisces, is when you learn how to get into transcendental consciousness. Come on. Facts. Because when you get into transcendental consciousness, meaning I had a vision or, 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 or here's one, and God wears lipstick. She talks when, you remember that part, Nick, when she talks about how she met the Rob for this, on the second date and he came in, he was feeling kind of gloomy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. he was yeah. like, how yeah, are he- you? Yeah. Right. And 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 he was like, you just said, well, I had a strange dream. Some weird man would speak, touch my head, and he walked out, and he's wearing this Jewish stuff, and I got, you know, I got Hebrew in my family, Jewish in my family, but I'm far from Orthodox Jew, and I don't, you know. And he smiled because that night he had prayed for his teacher, the Rob Bird, prayed for his teacher to show up and give him a sign that he should teach Karen. And since he didn't show up in his dream, he thought that that was a sign of, I cannot teach you the Kabbalah. Mm. And he was going to call it off. And he was saddened at their meeting. But until she shared the dream, he got ecstatic because that was his teacher appearing in her reality. This is very real. I got chills right now. I'm talking very real. Because I know when I took Kriya Yoga initiations into these spiritual sciences, a guru who was on the other side, Father Harry Harry Nanda, so compassionate, so loving, this nigga was coming in my dreams and got in my bed, and it made me wake up. I, I know 
I went in that sleep and I felt somebody in my bed and I woke up. <laughs> no, I'm serious about this. I'm very, very, very serious. I got it all documented. And then after initiation, you know, the, I, I, nigga, I passed out and I went to the other side for a minute. And then I came back. You know what I'm saying? So my point is because what does this have to do with cancer? It has everything to do with this. See, today I'm a, there's so many layers to this that, man, listen, we can do this. We can do this forever because there's some layers to it. Yeah. So what I'm going to get into a little bit is, because, you know, what we do Pisces and transcendental consciousness and this level has to do with cancer, has everything to do with it. Because if you understand triplicities, if you understand that, listen, there are only three water signs in the zodiac. There are only three air signs. There are only three fire and three earth. You guys are connected by the elemental process. Hello, then you heard Nikki say her and her daughter, she noticed, processes things the same way, right? So what happens is if you look and you understand the zodiac, it has 30 degrees or 30 days there be zodiac signs, right, from June 21st to July 22nd is, you know, cancer. That's 30 days. So that's technically 30 degrees inside of a celestial science. we got to grow and we got to get it, all right? So within these 30 degrees, we can divide them evenly into three 10-degree spans called decanates, like you live in a decade, and you use mathematics in the base 10 system. 10 pennies is a dime, 10 dimes is a dollar, $10 bills is a 10, 10 tens is a 100, and so forth and so forth. You use this base 10 model in your reality, okay? So the first zodiac, any zodiac sign that you're dealing with, zero through nine degrees, which is 10, because you're counting zero, there's no 30th degree. The last degree of a sign is 29. So zero through nine is the first 10 degrees. That's the home zodiac sign, meaning if you were born in the first nine days of cancer, then your cancer energy is more strong right there, okay? So then when we go from 10 to 19, the second, and what's the next water sign after cancer? Scorpio. So then you still have cancer traits because we're in cancer season. You're born on the 10th day all the way up to the 19th day. But there's a subtle influence of the scorpion trait there, Nikki. Mm. (laughs) Right? So that's there because you you 15 degrees, so that's scorpion, right? So then the last, which is 20 through 29, will be the last water sign, which is Pisces. So therefore, what we're talking about is they are heavily related to one another and get into this point of transcendental consciousness because guess what? It's been noted that the moon has an affinity, a correlation, a relationship not only with the woman's sexual reproduction cycles, um, shout out to um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, an astronomer, who don't like or who disagrees with astrology, but yet he was on Sway in the morning and he made something, he made a correspondence and he said, you know, if a woman and a man, I mean, a woman gets pregnant at the time of conception, if it's a full moon, if she goes full term, which is it would be 10 months from inception point the day you lay down and get knocked up to delivery, the moon will be in the same phase. It'll be full again. I said he just made a correspondence of a heavenly body in the sky 
and how that corresponds to human affairs. Facts. That, that's a fact. So my point is the moon has this affinity with the sexual reproduction cycle, especially with women, because you can, you can mark a woman's period by, by understanding this. I've done it. Um, but it also has this affinity with what we would call psychic intuitive behaviors. The moon deals with the waters. Yes, high tides, low tides, oceans. So if it deals with the waters, please, man, your body is majority water. Do you possibly think that it doesn't have a relationship with you and I, a mere tiny little puny human? I say it all the time. A big old bear goes to sleep for half a year and says, I'm out of here, buddy, because of climatic changes. But most certainly human beings are, um, to a degree, I don't want to say affected, but I'll say affected, affected, um, or have a relationship with cosmic rays of light. This is just, this is the truth. So when we get here, we have to understand that cancer, the ancestral gateway, is in a perfect alignment with Sirius. You cannot deal with cancer and not deal with the fact that the Declaration of Independence of the United States of America was signed on July the 4th where it looks like the sun is directly in front of the Syrian light, Philadelphia. You go to Philadelphia, yeah, I got, I don't have a DVD no more. Uh, I may bring it back, though. I did a DVD on this called Philadelphia Exposed. You go to Philadelphia City Hall, it's interesting. They got a zodiac in the middle of City Hall, and their City Hall is a big building that's a square, and from all four sides in the middle, you can walk through, go from the north side to the south side, the east side to the west side. You, you can get through and walk through it. And so right in the middle of this square, it's a circle of the zodiac, real talk. And on the eastern position is the constellation Cancer. And the eastern position marks what? Sunrise. So something is telling us that the Cancer constellation rising in conjunction with Philadelphia being the birthplace of the country, in conjunction with the Declaration of Independence, at this time the sun appears to be in front of cancer. Something magnificent happens. But I'm going to tell you how spirit world works and how magnificent God is to get you to see the sign. Because Philadelphia is known for what the city of brotherly love, filios, brotherly love. So the love chamber has always been considered to be the heart. So out of Philadelphia, you'd get a young man named Kevin Hart who's born on July 6th, just two days after the declaration, which means the alignment is still in the sky. Hello, this is very real. You see what I'm saying? So really, you would get a spiritual transmission from the great light, the other side, the light that, and we all can represent different points of light, and I don't want to confuse nobody. It's ways that you can tell. But for me personally, I represent this light because when I was born, I was born when cancer was rising. I was born at 1.43 in the afternoon. So even though the sun is low in the south, what's the constellation on the eastern horizon when I was born? Cancer. So it's a fact. So I announced, because I'm three degrees cancer rising, I announced the arrival of the dog star, Ampu. Bow, wow, wow, yippee, oh, yippee, bow, wow. Snoop Dogg, Atomic Dog, he's too short. Like, this is very real. we got to understand how spiritual principles trickle down into 
the affairs. So shout out to Hip Hop Astrology on YouTube. If you don't know about it, go to it, Hip Hop Astrology TV on YouTube and check out the correlations on how we're showing you how spiritual energy translates to human events and human affairs. So it's a great light here of spirituality that we must serve, that we must get in tune with because it's where our solar system is going. So when souls depart, some souls, when some souls depart, it is really within this gravitational pull. And I'll come off the gas with it, um, with this, because this place is a cosmic memory bank, cancer, um, um, three things I want to get in. And, and, and Dr. Chris Wilson, remind me to get to that. Let me talk about um, the stomach and the breast. Kanye, Kanye West mama, Donda West, is a cancer. And when she, what happened? When she got a breast and tummy tuck reduction, which cancer rules, and the procedure went bad, she checked up out of here. Check. This is real okay. talk. These are facts. You think that's a coincidence? No. It is to get your attention to understand the divine light within yourself. Okay? Now, when we look at um, this cosmic memory bank of cancer and Sirius, um, Dr. Frances Cress Wilson, when did she check up out of here? Um, let me be January precise. January 15. January, uh, it was January the 2nd, 2016, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So at this time, January the 2nd, hello, on that diagram that we did with Sirius was outside of 9 o'clock, and then the Earth was at the 9 o'clock position, and then a little bit to the right, and, and that dead middle in the circle was the sun. This is January the 2nd. This is the new year. This is when the Earth is in perfect alignment with Sirius, and on the other side is in perfect alignment with the sun. And every day she just moves around this circle until she gets eventually to the other side called July 4th. And it's another straight alignment. So it's only two times a year that, it's the, that the Earth, Sun, and Sirius are in a straight line with one another. And then there's only one time a year when, you know, they, they switch positions basically. One says, hey, I'm going to be next to Sirius. This is July the 2nd. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, up in that area. And then the sun says, okay, I want my turn too. And then the earth says, okay, well, I'll take the outer position, and, I, and I'll watch y'all two be together for a minute. You see what I'm saying? And that's on July 4th, around that time of the year. So here was a woman, Dr. Frances Cress Wilson, who wrote a book called The Isis Papers, who, you know, that's one, probably the popular piece of work she has. Isis is the Egyptian goddess known as Oset. In the temple of Isis, it is a fact that its pillars were erected to the alignment of Sirius. This is a fact. So around what they will call in mid-August when Sirius appears to rise in the morning, you can see this bright star on the horizon, and then the sun comes up. This was the time that marked the annual flooding of the Nile, and then it was like, oh, the waters is coming back up. It's time to eat, harvest time, party time, because water, moon, cancer is all related. The feminine energy, it represents life force energy, you see. So this woman, Frances Cress Wilson, she really was Isis in disguise because that is her, what, that, that's, her, that's her grand body of work. You think it's a coincidence? that the ancients lined up this temple of Isis to this particular star, and when the earth on January the 2nd gets dead in the middle of the sun in serious and perfect alignment, 
her soul departed up out of here, where do you think she went? Hello. She went back Uh-oh. home to the ancestral gateway. This is how you prove the science. And um, I'll come off the gas with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a lot. That was a lot. Um, I wanted to touch on a few things that Noble said. Um, damn. I, I gotta. We need some applause. We gotta queue up some applause. That was. Well, we, need, that was we need. We need. We need the horn for that. Oh, we got. Do we got something? We got a little horn, don't we? Oh. Put a horn or something. Give me something. Oh, no. <laughs> Welcome oh, to your week. Oh, I don't know what that is. Hold on. I think we got a horn somewhere. I thought we had a horn. There we go. We got a horn. There we go. We got a horn. That's what's up. Um. So. I, I wanted to touch on a few things quickly before I jump into my next piece. What I what I really want to dig further into is is this feminine principle, and and Noble set us up beautifully with it in talking about um, um, ISIS and and talking about Francis Cress Wells, and that was that was beautiful, man. Um, but I, I just want to touch on a few things before before we we dig further into that. So one of the things that Noble mentioned earlier was the fact that. Our relationships with our family members can be karmic, right? And we're not just talking about our relationships with our brothers and sisters. We're also talking about parental children relationships. So one thing that my daughter knows me to always say to her, because, you know, she's, she's at that phase. She's a toddler. She's, she'll be four in June. And so she's at that phase where she's, comparing my world to her world so that she can gain an understanding of what's going on around her, right? So she knows that, you know, Monday through Friday she goes to school or she goes to daycare Monday through Friday, you know, and these are my teachers, these are my friends, these are the things that we do at school. I learned X, Y, and Z. I learned my ABCs. I learned my numbers. These are the things that I do. So if I do that on a daily basis, then Mommy, where is your school, right? She wants to compare my world to hers for a sense of understanding. And so she's always asking me, you know, Mommy, you know, where's your school? Who is your teacher? And I always tell her, you are my teacher, right? And it's very unfortunate that we live in a society that tells us that the stronger bigger, more powerful element is the one that wins, right? That sets us up for a lot of confusion because if we only view reality from that perspective, then it becomes very, very difficult for us to understand paradox. It becomes very difficult for us to understand the more subtle etheric realms that do not operate by the same laws and principles that this physical, tangible world exists by, straight up, right? So from that perspective, my child should not be my teacher, right? That's, that's what we've been trained to believe. I'm mommy, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm the teacher, you're the student, do as I say, right? But the question is, how has that been working out for us, right? Because we, we want to marry ourselves to this very false concept. Again, the question is, how is it working out for us? I would, I would say, I would argue that it is not working out, right? So in dealing with that concept, this idea that our children can, our relationships with our children can be karmic relationships, right? So sometimes the parents 
are the ones who actually have to learn from the children. And I have no reservation about admitting that, right? I had my daughter when I was 30 years old. Most women that I know, especially the women in my family, everybody had their babies in their early 20s. I decided to wait, okay, and I thank God that I did because, first of all, I got to I got to rock out with my socks out in my 20s. I enjoyed the hell out of my 20s. Also, within that same concept of enjoying the hell out of my 20s, I also experienced some very ground-shaking, I had some ground-shaking experiences in my 20s at the same time. And as I, when I think back about those experiences, I'm like, damn, if I would have had a kid at that time, I could totally see how I would have fucked my child up going through what I was going through at that time and being so busy and focused on having fun and doing me and having my time, right? And, and I'm not, I'm not judging, you know, women who had children in their early 20s. I definitely think there's also some benefits to doing it that way because uh, I say kids ain't really grown until they're about 25, forget 18. So I'm going to be well in my 50s <laughs> by the time my baby gets out of the house. But that that was my route, right? So I really wanted to touch on this concept that of, of karmic relationships within the family, right? So why do these karmic relationships come about? Why is it that sometimes the, te- the, the child needs to be the teacher? Well, one thing that I, I was always very conscious of, even as a kid, you know, growing up Christian and having questions about God, having questions about religion, right? Why does, if God exists, then why does God allow babies to die? Why does God allow, you know, children to get raped? You know, why do all of these different things happen? Well, now we're having a conversation about karma, right? And we've got to grow up as human beings enough to understand and really embrace the idea that you've been here more than once, right? Even though you forgot about those past lives, you've been here before, and you got, you got a debt that you need to work off, okay? We got to get real clear about that. And for me personally, understanding karma and especially a, 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 a Kabbalah perspective of karma, of the world, of relationships, has been heavily influential for me in answering the question that I, I can remember having this question as a child and asking my mom, like, why does God allow horrible things to, have, to happen to good people? And what tends to be the response when we can't grasp a concept, when we don't know or we don't understand? Oftentimes, rather than submitting to, the, to say, you know what, I don't know, I don't know, right? We say something like, oh, you know, God works in mysterious ways. But that, that does nothing to answer the question, right? So here I was, this, this child running around trying to figure out, like, is God shady, Right? What, if, if, God, if God allows all of these crazy things to happen in our society, then God must got a shady streak, right? So in understanding karma, karma has been the one thing that, for me personally, has been the solution to why some of the really 
straight up fucked up stuff that happens in our society can actually happen. Again, we are co-creators with God, right? And I love that concept because that really opens up to the idea that sometimes parent and child in this entire relationship, God and and human, right? Because God is is is, is very much like our parent. And I don't want to get into that very murky territory of this idea that God is you know, an actual being writing down our, you know, what we did and whether or not we did good or bad. I don't, I don't like that concept. But if we can look at it from a very abstract perspective, this, this oscillation between teacher and student, and we've got we've to gotta grow up enough to really embrace that concept, the concept that says I, as a parent, can be a student. The concept that says I, as a human being, can be a teacher to God. God wants to know what is it like to be an alcoholic, right? Because if you you can look up, what's that movie with um, uh, uh, City of Angels, right? And uh, what's it, I can't think of the actor's name. It'll come to me in a minute, but um, he's an he's an angel in the movie, right? And he decides to give up his wings for the sake of love. And then, like, she ends up dying. It's like this whole messed up story, right? But in that story and any other story that you look at that talks about this concept of angelic forces, they talk about this idea that one of the gifts of humanity is our ability to feel, right? Feelings, emotions, dealing with cancer, dealing with water. They're swift and moving, right? So we oscillate, we oscillate between teacher and student. We are giving, so God does not have the ability to feel. God, as I've said before, does not get involved in our human dramas and traumas, right and wrong, black and white, good and evil. God is not concerned with that, right? So the only way for God to receive feedback from that particular experience it's through you and I, the human beings who are here to have these specific experiences and then to figure out whether or not we can grow from them, right? So let's, let's be really clear about that. This, this whole concept of, of this really solid existence of I'm the, I'm the teacher and you're the child or you're the student, no, that's, that's not real, right? And Mike Noble talked about we, we live in the world of paradox. We think that the sun rises and sets. No, it doesn't. We're the ones that are moving. So we gotta we gotta get really clear and comfortable with the concept of of paradox. Um another thing that I wanted to touch on that Noble said was talking about um the water signs, right? And and saying that, you know, potentially uh cancer is the most malefic sign. I thought that was really interesting because as I was I was thinking of, I got my book in front of me, The Energy of Hebrew Letters by uh Rav Berg, which is Karen Berg's husband. Karen Berg is the author of uh God Weird Lipstick. I don't know if I said it before, but ladies, that book is an absolute must read. Get that, make sure it's in your archives. But when we look at 
when we look at um, the letter that represents cancer, and let me just pull it up really, really quickly. Y'all forgive me. Oh, okay. no, I already said it. It's cat, right? So uh, cancer is, is represented by cat, but what I really wanted to speak to was in talking about, so cat, the way that this particular letter is built, right, it and 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 the Hebrew letters they they've got so much symbolism built into these letters, right? Does it reach down below the line, right, into hell, right, or is it above the line? Like they've got all of this uh, symbolism around what these particular letters mean. So in the chapter that deals with um, Het, um, which is the the letter that's associated with cancer, Het does delve down in below the line, right, into into so-called hell, right? So when Noble said, you know, cancer is the most malefic sign, I, I laughed because I, I have a really morbid sense of humor, so I laugh at stuff that most people really shouldn't laugh at. But that's just, that's me, right? Um, and so cancer has this tendency, and I love what you said, Noble, about um, it, it being a, a duality as well, because I had I had been kind of taking inventory of the different signs that represented duality just based on how the glyphs looked, and I totally overlooked cancer. I was tripping. Um, but point being, cancer very much has a tendency to deal in dark matter, right? And what is cancer? Cancer is a water sign. So when we start talking about bodies of water, especially big bodies of water like the ocean, do we realize that science itself, scientists cannot get further down into the ocean like the furthest they've gotten is like 10 or 20,000 feet. Below that, they don't even know what the fuck is down there. So you want to talk about some dark shit? Let's talk about let's talk about the ocean. Let's talk about bodies of water. So I can totally see, right? And when we think about cancer, cancer is also associated with the crab. Well, what happens when a, when one goes inside of a shell? It's gonna be dark in there, right? So I can totally understand how it is that cancer can deal with some really dark matter, right? And that's all of the water signs when you really think about it, right? Because Scorpio, what is Scorpio related to? Death, right? What is Pisces related to? Pisces is related to the, the, the subtle etheric realm, right, the realm that most of us don't know anything about. And based on this concept of, of the society that we live in that says that which is stronger, that which is bigger, is, is the thing that wins, it's the thing that's more powerful, we've not been encouraged or taught or even programmed very much to understand the other parts of our makeup, other than our physical existence. If I can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, it it's not real. But that's, that's absolutely absurd. It's absurd. Our, our makeup as human beings is so much more, it is so much greater than our physical existence as human beings. That's, that's the bottom rung, Right? When we start talking about the higher self and the, and the greater parts of our existence, we're getting into realms that are very difficult for us to understand if we only subscribe to physicality. So that's something we've got to be really, really careful about. 
I wanted to talk more about the feminine principle. Of course, the feminine principle is going to be related to the water sign. Water is a feminine principle, right? And, and what's the beauty of water? Water can change form, right? The tendency of – and water wants to stay low. It wants to get to the lowest spot, right? That's what water wants to do. So, again, we're talking about darkness. We're talking about, you know, deep levels. That's water signs all day long, right? So something that I mentioned um, – Oh, yes, and water. Do we realize that everything in physical existence, everything that man has ever created, is is only a reflection of something that already exists in nature, right? Look at a mirror. A mirror is a, is a man-made representation of water. Water is reflective, right? You look into a pool of water, you can see your own face looking back at you. That's a mirror, right? And so that's a really great transition into this feminine principle, this feminine concept, right? So as we've been taught, when we when we want to look at, you know, comparing, you know, masculine versus feminine, right? The masculine principle is active. It's positive, right? Well, then, on the flip side of that, the feminine principle is negative, because of the fact that we live in a very warped society that has a difficult time understanding um, other parts of reality, right, we tend to think that negative means bad, right? In our society, we've also been taught that trials and tribulations are bad, right? We take that personal. God is picking on me. God don't like me, right? God done allows the devil to come in and test me and do something to me. Boo-hoo, right? So we're dealing with this negative aspect. But the thing that I love about Kabbalah, Kabbalah teaches us that there are lessons and there is beauty to be received in the negative aspect, right? From, that, from the opposite perspective, women are bad, right? And that's the society we live in. We live in a society that tells us that women are, by nature, subservient to men, right? Most of us come from a Christian background. Based on Christian rhetoric, let me be clear about that. I'm not going to say the Bible because that's not true. Based on Christian rhetoric, we've also been taught that our nature as women is innately sinful. We're the ones who gave Adam the apple, it's our fault. We evil. We the devil, right? So what I love about Kabbalah is that Kabbalah brings in, and, and Kabbalah is not the only one to do it. Let's be clear about that. But Kabbalah brings in the feminine aspect of God, right? Because based on Christian rhetoric, the feminine is not godly. It's bad. It's evil. It's the devil, right? So what I love about Kabbalah is that Kabbalah brings in the concept of the Shabbat queen, right? What is, what is the Shabbat queen? What is the, it's the Shekinah. Who is the Shekinah? What is the Shekinah? The Shekinah is God manifest on earth. That is a feminine principle in the Hebrew tradition. Uh-oh, so what happens now? Now, from a different perspective, we get introduced to the idea that 
femininity is divine, right? And I want to deal with this from a, a very real-life perspective because it's easy to get, you know, caught up in the the big words and the fancy astrological language. What does that have to do with our real life? Well, last week on the show I mentioned that Gemini is the gateway to heaven, right? And if the woman is the the earthly representation of the Shekinah, the female representation of God, if cancer is the home, right, and God wants to dwell in a home, then home is either heaven or hell, depending on whether or not peace resides there. Okay? Stay with me. So what did I say last week? As women, it's very, it's very easy for us to get caught up in this idea, right? I, I got to quote my, my fellow Cancerian, Little Kim, an old-ass album, but she said, niggas ain't shit, but they still could trick. I'm not going to finish the rest of that line, right? But that's the society we live in. We we believe, you know, there's this weird relationship between men and women in our society, right? And especially now that women can vote, women can have jobs, and women can participate and be politicians, and right? We've been, now we live in a society that ultimately begs the idea that women can do whatever it is that men can do, Right? Here's here's the issue that I take with that, right? We we got to be real careful about that concept because if we as women want to say niggas ain't shit, and I'd agree with that, niggas ain't shit, but niggas can be women, they can also be men. Nigga, niggadom is a consciousness, right? So I want to be very careful about that and not saying, you know, men ain't shit because I don't agree with that concept. However, Many of us, because of past traumas and experiences, because of previous relationships, maybe even sometimes because of relationships that we've seen our mothers go through, we have this very conflicting concept about men. You know, we're afraid of men. We think that men are, we think men ain't shit, right? All men cheat. Men are dogs. A man is going to be a man, right? We make all these concessions for the fault of man. But then in the, on the flip side of that, in another breath, we say, well, I want a man. I want somebody to marry me. I want to have a family. I want to have this. I want to have that. Right? Well, now we're sending conflicting messages to the universe. So as women, when we start to look around us and we wonder, you know, how is it that, you know, we we wondering how the devil got into heaven, right? We we I said it before. Well, now we got to look at the gatekeeper because the devil should want to get into heaven, right? We got to look at the gatekeeper now. Who let that nigga in? And, ladies, I said it before, we are the gatekeepers to heaven. Why do I say we're the gatekeepers to heaven? Because he, the, the Kabbalah tradition tells us that the woman is the head of the house. What is the house? What is the home? That is heaven. You rule that spot. So if the devil is up in that joint, I ain't looking at him. I'm looking at you and wondering why it is that you let his ass in. Straight up. Right? But let's dig a little bit further into this concept of, excuse me, of the Shabbat queen, of the Shekinah, right? 
so in the Hebrew tradition, Friday night, right, the evening is actually the beginning of the day in not only the Hebrew tradition, but I would beg to say that the um, the Egyptians or the Comitians would agree with the same concept. The beginning is actually in darkness, okay? So Friday night is actually the beginning of the Shabbat, right? So that being said, what happens in that tradition? What happens, what, what's that, uh, what happens there, okay? Well, here's what happens in, in, a, in a Jewish or Hebrew home, okay? Nightfall, 18 minutes before it is, before the sunset, the woman, not the man, the woman is responsible for lighting the Shabbat candle, what does this represent? This represents the woman lighting the way to attract the divine principle down into her home. Why does she do it 18 minutes before sunset? Well, if we draw that back to the periodic table, the 18th element on the periodic table is an element called or a gas called argon, right? But then if you look at the top of that periodic table, it will give you the numbers for all of the different columns. The 18th column, which is also where the 18th element resides, is dealing with a, a group of gases known as the noble gases. What does that mean? That means that these elements or these gases can interact with other forces, other elements, and still not change, it, it doesn't change its integrity. It, it, it maintains its integrity. It doesn't change. Hmm. What then would be the implication there for women if we are the ones who are responsible for drawing that element down onto the planet on Friday night? It means ladies, women, sisters, mothers, daughters, you are responsible for maintaining the integrity at the gates. As women, we cannot wonder why there is havoc on the planet. We can't wonder why when we the security guards at the gates. Now the question becomes, does it exist because man is innately bad or malefic? Or is it possible that somebody gave permission for it to exist in the first place, right? So, so we 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 gotta test again. We're dealing with these first six signs that we're dealing with in the zodiac are talking about personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. How did I contribute to this circumstance? And as women, tr sisters, trust me, I'm there with you. I, I know I, I've been there, done it, trust me. But we've got to take some personal responsibility for the negative relationships that we find ourselves in. Did we give permission to it, right? Because while I might have been talking out of my mouth telling you, oh, you know, I want a man who's honest and I want a man who's about his money and I want him duh, 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 duh. Your mouth may have been given one message, but what was the message from your heart? 
I'm a fashion designer. So so one thing that I'm very conscious of is is how people dress. But not so not only how people dress, you know, do she got on some Louboutins versus some Payless shoes. I'm not talking about that. When we start talking about concepts like body language and the messages that we give off subliminally, that is a whole other ball game, right? I I said it before. There is a, a consciousness, a magnetism in your heart that attracts your mate to you. Until you change your mind about your role as a woman, Right, And here's another thing that we really got to deal with in cancer. Cancer asks us the question, what is your true and genuine perspective of the feminine principle? And, and me, I, I talked about it before, and maybe not on this show, but I think about myself coming up, you know, through my so-called consciousness, right? So... I I talked about it earlier, you know, having a Christian background and being taught certain things from Christian rhetoric about my role, my duty, and who I am as a woman, right? So then I called myself moving out of this Christian space, and the next space I went to after that, uh, I, I was, you know, I did the roster thing for a minute, and then from there, you know, I did the whole five percenter thing for a minute and was very much at the same time also influenced by, um, the nation of Islam, right? What, again, is the message being parlayed about us and to us as women within all of those contexts? Still, even though I had stepped out of my Christian background, or at least I thought I did, <laughs> even though I had stepped out of that space, still, Every other space that I found myself in, that ultimately wisdom and knowledge that I had attracted to myself, groups that I had attracted to myself, still were preaching the same rhetoric. You are subservient to men. You are you're you're, you're secondary, right? And you know I don't want to get all caught up in the whole who's better, who's stronger, who's not. Nah, we we're not playing them games. Right, because context is the real question, right because while the while the man may be responsible for going out and you know hunting and, and killing the cow and bringing the cow home, when he get in the house, you the ruler there, okay, so let's not get caught up in who's better and comparing ourselves and doing this whole competition thing, right say that, but here's my point. As women in cancer in this particular space, the question is, what do you as a woman subscribe to be true about your state, your role, your position, your station in the world, in society? And as women, I would argue that many of us still believe that we are the devil, that we are responsible for the fall of humanity because we gave Adam the apple to eat. We, we still believe that at a heart level, even though on a, on a conscious mental level, we can preach a whole different rhetoric. So, so my, my, my summation of that entire concept is we see the crimes against 
femininity in our society because we as women have given permission to it, because we as women have subscribed to a lower station. But I wonder what would happen if we genuinely, sincerely, at our deepest level, at, our, at the core, if we genuinely believed in the, in the goddess, in the ability of, of woman to be divine, not divine in comparison to her man, as herself, in her own right, in her own space, what would happen if we really believed that as women, we were great, that we were divine, that that our completion did not depend on attracting a, a, a particular mate to ourselves, a rich man, a good-looking man, a man, right? I talked about it before. Good, good dick and deep pockets is not enough. But because as women we subscribe to the idea that those are the things that define us, right? Because as women we can get real caught up in this idea. We see it all day on, you know, shit like basketball wives and, you know, all of this stuff. These women who, because they're dating athletes who have uh, status, who have money, right, they're willing to put up with some crazy madness, Right? And that, again, that, that is the identification of ourselves with a, a, another person. But I'm questioning what would happen if we believe that as a woman standing here by myself that I'm enough, that I'm great, that I'm divine, that I am a child of God. What would happen? And and honestly, I do believe that we would we would see a change because I understand how these laws work. We can't run around here saying that oh men are to blame. They done ruined the world and they done did this to us. No. We took we took part in that, ladies. We gave rise to that because it's what we gave attention to. Energetic currency. So I'm gonna come off it with that. Where you at, Noble? Man, first we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do that. We're gonna have to. You're <laughs> gonna have to. Jesus, you, you just had to go there in the clutch, like in the in the fourth quarter. You just had to go bonkers. Uh oh. Um, wow. Oh, hold that thought, Noble. And I, I, one last thing. One last uh-huh. thing. Right. So Kabbalah talks about this concept of of the moon and the sun, right? The moon representing woman, right? Cancer is ruled by the moon. This absolutely represents the woman. The sun representing man, right? The active principle, right? So Kabbalah talks about this idea that God had a conversation with the sun and the moon and said, look, folks can't serve two masters. One of you will get an opportunity to rule for this period of time, and the other one of you will get an opportunity to rule for another period of time, right? So a lot of us ladies are wondering, when is it going to be our chance to rule? Well, according to Kabbalah, that time is Aquarius. And we're seeing that shift happen right now. Folks are becoming more interested in, you know, the the subtle realms. 
um, the feminine principle, right? Men are getting, men are becoming more interested and aware of, you know, the, the, the female orgasm, right? Female, woman, feminine, all of these concepts are now starting to come up. We're becoming more interested in meditation. That's also a feminine uh, principle, right? Because it, it deals with subtle energy, right? So if the woman's time to rule is in the age of Aquarius, I find that to be very interesting because Aquarius is the water bearer. Right. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I ain't gonna say nothing else. Go ahead. <laughs> nah, that's what it is. He he is the guy. It, it, it will be me pouring water on earth. And I mean, you just gotta look at the coincidences, right? Like, if I'm Aquarius and it's Aquarian age, and and I promise you, listen, when it comes to the science of time, like I got this. Like literally, we we got this. But Aquarius is the water bearer pouring water to the earth. And then water, the first water element we get to is cancer. And then cancer being Nikki, and then you're seeing this combination that's giving you the science. You have to thoroughly understand that it's what we call divine timing. So, man, damn, man, you just had to go there, man. Um, Max, um, all right. So let me let me back up a little bit here. So you gave me some notes, and then if anybody want to press one, press one. We we take a few callers. We got 19 minutes left. We can make it happen. Um, the periodic table is so dope in dealing with this Shabbat concept of the woman lighting the candles and bringing this this energy in. And ladies and gentlemen, what you got to really understand because real talk, it's 18 minutes before sunset. And like Nick said, when you when you look at the periodic table, you have these 18 groups of elements, and then that 18th group, you have the noble gases, as she explained. These are the only gases that can interact. See, the other elements, when they interact with another one, they become something new, like daddy and mommy come together, here comes a child. But when you interact with a noble gas, it says no person, I will remain a noble gas. You will not get me to transmute and transform to anything. I'll stay myself at all times. I'm the closest to the divine, right? So what's happening is you look at the periodic table, you have seven groups. So you got 18 periods going across, I mean 18 groups going across and seven periods going down. The seven periods are symbolic for the seven days of the week. Hence on the seventh day, the Sabbath, which starts on the eve of 18 minutes, sundown tonight, Friday, thus you have this holy day. So what's happening is when you look at the very first element, we're dealing with hydrogen, which is the sun, our sun, the physical life generator out there. So what we're saying is, you got to see, the, the wisdom of the Kabbalah is so dope because it is truly a spiritual system of balance. And they do something like, okay, well, yeah, the masculine principle called the light that seeks to shine its rays and share has to balance itself with a female counterpart called the woman, the divine, um, what we call the divine vessel, which is really humanity as a, as a collective whole. But this woman who is going to receive this energy, so 18 minutes before sun, sunset, gives us, within that 18-minute window, there are only 18 different maximum fluctuations of life that you can experience, called uh, group one, 
group two, group three within these 18 minutes because all of them are spawning off the infinite one creator called hydrogen, if y'all can understand that concept. So within these last 18 minutes, we can only experience 18 different variations of light code transmissions. The Shabbat queen, as Nikki is pointing out, is she is very aware and cognizant of these different light fluctuations, and her job is to congeal them into one solid form into the household to start what we call the Sabbath or the holy day of setting the real day of atonement is inside of your crib. You understand? So that that was excellent. I just wanted to kind of elaborate on that. Um, um, man, uh, the power zones, empowerment zones, cancer rules the stomach, it rules the breast. Exercises to do is real simple. You can get in that light. You can just simply use the power of your mind and touch your breast, touch your stomach, put divine loving energy into these areas. So if you want to activate the cancer within you, because everybody got uh, nipples around here, uh, everybody got a stomach around here, this is the area that you want to get into. Um, the moon and cancer also rules the limbic brain. You will not see this in literature anywhere, but I am telling you it does. Um, um, but so understanding the emotional centers, that's the brain that deals with your emotional centers. Um, you have to get in tune with this. And the truth is, I like what um, Esther Hicks, or known as Abraham, um, talks about follow your feelings because your feelings serve as your emotional GPS system. That is an alert that is taking place to get you to understand that, hey, something is on point, something is not on point, and you should not ignore that. And that's why I opened up the show. Hold on, y'all. Pay attention to him and do not let him dig no holes in the yard. All right. Um, so you got to be in tune with your feelings, and you got to understand that truth, that thought that you have, and you have to follow that. It is your higher self that is guiding you. Trust that process. Because when you trust that process, the beauty about receiving and meditation and understanding the receptive powers of this cancer energy is it puts you inside of the divine. And, and, and this is how you know. And this is why I mess with the Hebrew and Kabbalah so heavy because what is that term? Where is it here? Uh, la, 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 la. When you understand, um, damn, Nick, you brought up so much stuff. When you, when you talk about negativity or the negative state, of course we think bad, and this is false. In the Kabbalah, man, we're talking about function. We're talking about one is active, one is receptive. We're talking principles of electromagnetism, how light works. And then we're all, the thing about the car battery, the positive and, and quote-unquote negative terminal for electricity to exist, you need that duality. It later becomes a manifestation called man and woman, and I don't care if you use same gender sex, you know exactly what I'm talking about on an energetic level, okay? And so above the tree of life in Kabbalah is called the three negative states of existence. Interesting, because I thought negative was female, or I thought it was bad. So why is the negative states, quote, unquote, the primordial beginning, all right? Because that emptiness, that void, or as the Bible so cleverly puts it, in the beginning, 
You know, the earth was out shape and form, and, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Wait a minute. You're actually telling me, like, the water was here before anything, in a sense. That's what, we get, that's what we're getting at. So to understand it, though, this limitless light known as Ein Sof Or, um, in Kabbalah, Nick, people will understand that when you get into concepts like Ein Sof Or, this limitless light, it has a numerical value of 414, but another word that has a numerical value is 414 is haguf, which simply means meditation. So when you meditate, this is when you get into the infinite stream of consciousness. i give you a real-life example, right? I was sitting in meditation, and... Um, well, I'm sitting there, and I'm just zoning out, and, you know, I'm in the zone, and I saw thy wife come out of the pantry with some cookies. Now, here's the thing. The pantry does, it's not one of those walk-in pantries. You just open it in a shell. So in my mind, I'm like, what the hell was this, right? The next time I had talked to her, the very first thing she said was, and these cookies are so good. So I started having these, um, what you would call, psychic impressions. But see, meditation is two forms to get to this state. Meditation is the feminine form because you're sitting in the state of receiving. You don't necessarily have an objective on your mind. You're receiving the infinite stream of consciousness called thought forms, perhaps, that are permeating in the ether. Just like you got cell phone signals bouncing through your house to get to your neighbors to ring their cell phone. You got cell, you got all kinds of signals. That's invisible waves permeating around you. There is a way that you can pick up on the thoughts of others. And the meditation or feminine form of receiving allows you to get into what we call the limitless light. So my point in Kabbalah is you understand that words that share the same numerical value are actually synonymous and connected to one another in, quote-unquote, real life. Um, the other way is the masculine principle is what we do in the imagination guru. It's you activating a certain idea and principle through your imagination. That's the masculine form of attraction, and you absolutely can get to your desired goal that way, as we see. So I just wanted to give you the balance and Kabbalah clearly um, points that out. Uh, Nick made a comment, just in case your skeptic logical mind may have any doubt, where she says, you are the co-creator with God. That may be a hard pill to swallow, but I think a simple observation of common sense to a degree of two things. One, if there was no need for you, then you just wouldn't be. Why all the different manifestations when you are already in the possession of being the all-knowing God? That's one. But I see how we can try to scapegoat out of that, but that's fine. I won't even get into that scapegoat aspect. But then when you look at the human being, I like to pay very close attention to wisdom, teeth. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. You are in a process of evolution. It is very clear that these teeth serve no function to you as of right now. And God is trying to figure something out. 
hence the different forms and processes of what we call evolution and mutation. You are here as the spiritual director of God's play, and he is the producer. Two totally different components when you understand filmmaking. One is financing the whole campaign through its intelligent idea, and the other one is here to give it the, uh, give it what we call the artistic creation to match what the producer is saying. So when I say cosmic energy is a vehicle and your consciousness is a driver, one is not superior to the other. This is a fact. One is not superior to the other. It's not about being bigger than a woman because then you see, see, God's way of balance is, man, I will make you a quantitative being. You're all about numbers, 200 to 500 sperm cells that's coming out of you in the ejaculation. And we got to really deal with that. I'm going to get into that in show eight, possibly next show and show five. But, you know, because we got to deal with this. We got to deal with this this biological potential that man has that he must learn how to honor. We must learn how to honor amongst ourselves because you could technically populate the entire United States in one ejaculation. And that's powerful. That is very powerful. That is not to be wasted and skeeted on whatever you skeeted on, okay? So anyway, uh, skeet sample, dirty, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, um, what was I going on? I, I had something on here. Dealing with um, um, Jesus Christ, man. Jesus Christ, we started talking about that thing. Because uh, I really want to get in that thing. And, and, and one thing that popped up was Leo. Nick, in the next show, because we get into the heart center in the next show, because it's Leo and the heart and the spine, which is really the, the connecting point of all electrical nerve, and it's, it's the switchboard. It's the motherboard. Or we, we, you know how we be having a surge protector, and we're trying to plug everything up because we, we ain't got enough space in the outlet, so we put it in an extension cord with the surge protector joint. That's the spinal cord. That's, 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 that's next week. But see, the thing is, if, if Leo is about children and love, how the hell did the children get here? It got here through sex. Stop playing with me. You see what I'm saying? Like so so this is why that romantic thing of Leo low key has a sexual connotation to it. But we we'll get into that um next week. Um trying to remember this last point before we go to the call. If you got a question, press one. Now is definitely the time. Um oh, something I was gonna build on real fast dealing with that whole point, but it will come to me. Later, um, press one if you if you got a question comment. Um, press one. We got six minutes left. Um, visit the websites, man. Again, the prime minister is up on um, Sunday at twelve noon at the Imagination Guru going in on Donald Trump, showing you the quantum mechanics and principles that he used to get in the White House. You want to be there for that webinar. It's going to be phenomenal. So that's Sunday at 12 noon. You get it at theimaginationguru.com. Go to shop and you'll see it on webinars. Um, like I said, man, I'm at myastrologycoach.com. we got the um, Valentine's Day special that's going so we can get into this, this energy of learning how to uh, – learning how to be able to pinpoint um, what the energy is inside of a relationship, man. That, that's that, that's I'm serious about that. That's that's very real. Um, being able to understand if it got a lot of negative energy or positive energy, because when you understand that battery terminal, those two forces become necessary for attraction or electrical energy 
to exist. So therefore, by law, man, I'm telling you, you are attracted to the negative um, pool of um, people. It's just what it is. I'm sorry. I mean, it's you are definitely attracted to the negative pool, negative qualities of people. Don't mean that you gotta like it, but you have to ask yourself the question when Nick is saying, "Well, who let them through the gate?" There was something about it that allowed you to come through the gate. You see what I'm saying? So there's a way that you can identify this before you engage in relationships. And if you're already in one, that's perfectly fine. Because, excuse me, you can use the information now to properly navigate um, the relationship. All right? So check that out on myastrologycoach.com under consultation at the Valentine's Day special. Um, that is there. And um, anybody, man, press one if you, if you got a question. And, Nick, go ahead, man. You got to trigger You got to trigger something here because I could have swore I had it. I see another note that was dealing with the family aspect. is so volatile because cancer is ruled by the moon. Um, and this is interesting because the moon, when you look outside, you know, today she can be look like a full moon. Then two days later it looks like she's shrinking. And that's another illusion. Cancer gives you the best insight into the illusion because you know good and well that physical moon ain't full and then all of a sudden it's skinny. But you see the shadow of the other side of it, but you only see a little crescent part of it today. And then tomorrow it's it's looking like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Then it gets full, then it gets smaller and smaller. And then it totally disappears because it's by the light of the sun and it's called the dark moon and you don't see it no more. So the moon in, in Cancer, because Cancer is, is the sign that comes at the Gemini, this is the sign that accurately tells you how to read the illusion by understanding the physical body called the moon. But it being so, what appears to be so fickle because it changes so much, then you got to understand since it does have a dominion with family members, why that relationship is so fickle as well But see again it goes to the Power of the observer Because I know that the Physical body of the moon Ain't physically changing So therefore I am going to Step outside of That circle called Your reality your earth time Reality your solar system And I'm going to get this is the key Nick. For real for real You need to be On Pluto or further to observe everything in your earthly reality as a solar system as a whole because, A, when nothing's behind you, you can never see opposition because all, your single point reference is the sun. So just like in our earth time reality, like I explained, Nick, when you're dealing with Venus and, and you're dealing with Mercury because they're in front of us as planets, you would, they, so that means since we're all going around the sun, they will always be either to the right of the sun or to the left of the sun because they have to make an orbit around the sun. That's a fact. They're moving in a circle around the sun. So, therefore, since they're traveling around the sun, they have to be either to the right of the sun, to the left of the sun, or what you will call in direct alignment with the sun. So, quote, unquote, when it appears that the sun is setting and has set, guess what? Their energy is setting or has set, too. I would never see Venus and Mercury coming up in the eastern sky when the sun has set.
because their orbital track is before us in reference to the sun, so therefore it's always just to the right or always just to the left. So if the further you go out and nothing is behind you, nothing can be in opposition to the life force energy called the sun, known as hydrogen, known as the electrical force that gives you the animating energy called life. So in your meditation, for real, for real, to get beyond the influence is for you to do meditation that is really the furthest planet out and you see the whole solar system where there is no opposition to life force energy. Because guess what? Everybody and their mama in the Zodiac closet, oh, I'm a cancer. I was watching um, Jim Jones yesterday on Funk Flex, excellent interview. He a cancer. And he was talking about Cameron. He was just like, I just know he an Aquarius and he a water sign. I just start cracking up laughing. Like, see, he ain't a water sign, but people always confuse Aquarius because he's a water bearer. You see what I'm saying? But my point is, everybody will represent their sign and say what they are, but they can't give you the science of how it all coalesces with one another. You see what I'm saying? So the way that you get beyond the lesser science, and not lesser in a bad way, the zodiacal science, and you come into the godhood or Christ-like consciousness, the 13th one traveling with the 12 disciples or the sun going through these 12 zodiac signs is for you to learn how to step outside of the circle of your solar system and see everything rotating. Because, again, there's, there's, there cannot be oppositional force when you're the furthest one and nobody's behind you. Mm. See, see, sitting in the back of the bus was the best thing you could have ever did because – Nobody can sneak up behind you now. You're going to see them coming head on. Now, what you're going to do about it is a whole other problem. But at least you can say they didn't sneak attack you. You can't say that now. You see what I'm saying? And you got to have this whole, you got to have that concept. All right? So um, I'll close it with that, Nick. Nobody press one this time, so you can go ahead and rock us out. Oh, damn. Y'all don't want me reading your thoughts today? Okay. Um, yeah, that that was Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, and and people, cancer, we we kind of chill today with cancer. We definitely had our fluctuations in there, but um, I this whole cancer spiel was was very interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I ain't got nothing else to put on that. I could put some more, but you know, we'll we'll finish off cancer next week with uh, Gemini because Gemini, excuse me, Leo. Being uh, the, the fifth sign after uh, after Cancer, so like I said before, you know these signs they overlap each other. So you know, be sure if you've got questions for us, if we didn't, you know, fully, you know, touch, you know, or, or get all the way into a concept that you were interested in hearing about, please be sure to email us. We love the feedback. Um, email us at the Zodiac Lovers at Gmail dot com. Um, you can send us questions, comments concerns, um, or just give us some feedback over there. We love to see it. Um, make sure that you go to theimaginationguru.com for more information about uh, the upcoming webinars. Again, June, this Sunday, with the quantum inauguration. Uh, next month in March, middle of March, the priesthood is going to be in Las Vegas, so you definitely want to get more information about that. Um, so, Check us out, valueimaginationofguru.com, also um, myastrologycoach.com. And for me personally, if you all want to hear more of me running my mouth, be sure to check me out over there at YouTube, Nikki Builder. 
Um, and as I said, keep your eyes open. We're going to have inf more information about this balancing program uh, coming out over the next few days. Um, and there also will be an option to um, compare yourself with a maid, a potential maid, if you'd like to, to figure out, you know, what may or may not be missing in that particular union and figure out some creative ways to balance it. So we'll see you all next week for Leo, Episode 5 of um, – the Zodiac Lovers. Thank you for tuning in, family. We'll talk to you all next week. Yeah. Oh, you, you know what? You know what, Nick? Hold on, hold on. One last thing. One last thing. Y'all, that's what it was. The, 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 when you were talking about Kabbalah, is my point where the balancing aspect of the system, and which I think when this astrology portion is over and we get some other things, we're definitely going to have to bring a Kabbalah series so we can definitely, y'all can follow along with us and really offer y'all the, the, the model so you can really understand exactly what we're saying. But my last point on this balancing system, why I love this system, is the words in Hebrew are the nouns are either masculine or they are feminine. And mm -hmm. what they do is they took like the word Beth means house, which is really the first, which is the second letter, which is B, the, the, the letter B, but it means house. So when you see churches that be like, Bethel means the house of God. Beth is house, El is divinity or power, so it's the house of God. So Beth means house, right? But vagina also means Beth as well because the mm. vagina is like a house. It's something that you go in. You see mm. what I'm saying? What do you do with a house? You go in. You see what I'm saying? So the vagina, the vagina is this house, but guess what? The noun is masculine. Because who's going in the house? The masculine component is the one that's going inside of the house. So what they do is, I'm telling you, the function of a word could have a definition that's feminine, but the noun itself is the counter opposite, which is masculine, and vice versa when they do it the other way is to show you how to get in balance, yo, real talk. Mm. So with that, man, um, we see y'all next week. Oh, oh, and one more thing. Tonight, right here on Blog Talk Radio, go to Truth 2, which is the number two, Truth to Power Radio, Sister Beverly. We are actually on, me and Nick are on there 9 o'clock tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern. We are on Truth 2 Power Radio. Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern, and I promise that's it. We out. Peace. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.